1: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
2: This is a journey into sound. A journey which along the way will bring to you new color, new dimension, new values, and a new experience.
3: And welcome to this week's episode of You Haven't Heard This Music Podcast, The B-Side. Episode 12, side B to be exact. And this week on the show we have a plethora of music. Well, I'll say plethora, we have five songs by five artists. And on the show today, as usual, sitting with me, next to me, to my left, Wayne. Say hello, Wayne. Hello, everybody. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Good, good, good. Well, we don't usually have a news section on the B-side. We usually save that for the main show, but we've got a lot on. So here is Wayne with the news. This is the YHHT News brought to you by Wayne Saunders. We don't normally have a new section, but we're we've got stressed. a new section yeah, so
4: today. We have to do it on this this episode because the next episode will air while we're at another festival. We've been invited to attend the Eustock Festival up in Derbyshire. This is a festival that runs from um, a pub called the U Tree Inn, and it's uh, been running for this is its fifth season. As it is fifth, fifth year, fifth season, I'm sure it's, they call them seasons. It's the fifth season it's been running. Um, It's over the course of the 19th to the 21st of July. There is, I can't remember how many bands are on, but there are two stages and it's all unsigned bands. There's a few cover bands there uh, to, to, you know, when you've had a few too many drinks, because it is a beer festival as well, Rich.
3: Yes, aye.
4: It is a beer festival as well.
3: Yep. You'll be seeing pictures of me and videos of me uh, stumbling all over the place.
4: I was, I, I've, I've said that we want to interview some of the festival goers, but I think we're going to have to interview them first thing in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get that fucking mic out of my face! I'm <laughs> going to be sick. <laughs> so yeah, um, and that's just me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were. Uh, we. This is very. In the last couple of days, we've we've cleared all I don't know, passes and things. Yeah, so we're all we're all set to go next week. Lanyards and uh, all that. Yes, shit, all shit, Yeah, it's yeah. so all professional. <clears throat> so uh, keep your eyes peeled and keep your ears to peeled, the ground. Yeah, yeah, ready for uh, a podcast special from the Eustock Festival. Like I said, there's many bands. I'd like to say thanks to Dave, uh, who's sorting us out, and Dan, who is the runner of the festival. It's a very cool festival. I was reading. Uh, Dan, uh, Dave sent me over a load of information today, and it started. It started out of just an idea for somebody's thirtieth well, birthday. Well,
3: I thought it was a sheep festival.
4: <laughs> you you stuck. Very good. Very good. It started out as uh, somebody's thirtieth birthday. And there was an unused field, apparently. (coughs) Dan, who is an engineer by trade, saw big plans for this field and it's just gone and gone and gone until it's the size it is. I do want to shout this out. On the Friday, uh, it is free entry with a discretionary donation because everything on Friday is given to charity from an admission. And last year, I don't know if they're doing it this year, but last year, uh, Dan created a beer And all the proceeds from that beer sales went to the local charity, which I think is a fantastic idea. So that's another reason to go to this brilliant festival. I can't wait. So check out Ustock and all the bands that are going there. Um, Like I say, in the next uh, maybe two weeks, three weeks after we've been... Look out for a podcast special um, with interviews with bands and things. But
3: we'll have live updates during the weekend as well. I'll, I'll be posting videos with the, the bands and I'll be posting links to their music as well. So as you can check out what we have to say to them and check out their music at the time and then later on in, like say two weeks later or so, whatever, you can yeah. check out the special which will be a it's a, it's a, very, a full coverage yeah. of the, the festival.
4: Yeah, it's a very busy time for us. So we've got the, the Ustock Festival <clears> over the weekend of the 19th to 21st and the following we'll be defunking the forest festival down in welshpool that we've already announced so yeah keep your keep your eyes and ears peeled uh, to all the social medias when these are out it's going to be messy
3: yes and moving on to the show to the show that's what we're going to do we're going to move on to the show we're going to move on to the show, to move, on to the show. move on to the show very good so we're going to start with our first artist and our first artist is going to be saint mars so this is the conversation i had with saint mars and his music quick disclaimer There is a bit of a language barrier, as he's a Swiss man, so please just bear with it. (laughs) Hello and welcome to the show. We have, I think it's St. Mars with us today. Is it St. Mars? St. Mars, yeah. St. Mars.
5: In English it's St. Mars, and in French it's St. Mars.
3: Okay, and uh, obviously you're an international collaboration of artists.
5: Exactly. We spread spread all over the world, in fact, yeah. All Um, over the world. Yeah, almost. um, So, I'm Swiss. Another singer comes from uh, Columbus, Ohio. Also, we have some musicians coming from the UK, like Angelo from Massive Attack, who is is the guitarist of uh, Massive Attack.
3: What's his name, sorry?
5: Angelo Bruschini.
3: How did I mean, you manage uh, to get him?
5: It's, it's a long story, but um, I used to be a friend with Massive Attack producer called Neil David, and uh, I listened to some of my demos. He told me that he thought that Angelo would be the right guy to uh, to play guitars on, on, on the tracks. So uh, I sent the tracks to Angelo, and uh, he just ca- came back telling me that it was interesting that he was ready to to play on it oh, right. <laughs> so that's very simple so but it really helped to to uh, have some friends you no know, common friends <laughs> otherwise it's almost impossible i think
3: that must but have been quite uh, exciting for you when you realized that absolutely he was gonna... it was yeah.
5: absolutely amazing to have such a guy because you know it's the guy who played almost all guitars on the um, for example, on Mezzanine.
3: the mezzanine album, yeah,
5: Mezzanine album, yeah, so uh that's I iconic, mean, yeah, it's totally uh legend, you know so yeah. for me, it was uh very encouraging to have such a guy uh, on board with us. It really gave credibility to the whole project,
3: yeah, so um, what about the rest of you you what about yourself
5: um myself, so I'm Swiss. <laughs> I live in Switzerland and uh, I've been playing music for a couple of years, that's what I can say. uh, I was previously in a band, in a metal band, in in 2005-2006 from New York. And uh, we made one album with a label label called Escapi in Sweden. So that was my first very serious project. And then I took a couple of years break and then i came back with my personal project so it was sigmols in the beginning so
3: yeah so this is your project yeah
5: that's my project yeah from the beginning okay yeah, it's, yeah, so. a,
3: it's it's a mixed bag of sounds it's yeah it's yeah it's it's not like you can pinpoint it down to one style it's got like it's got very nostalgic elements for me. It's like uh, takes me back to the '90s. Like some of the '90s sounds. You got some modern sounds in there as well, like you might get from like and people like that.
5: Yes. Well. Yeah. That that's a good. Uh, I mean, yeah, a good point. I mean, we. I I really want to have a kind of vintage vibe all our music, but with a modern touch. That's really what is most important because uh, I want something new, but which takes elements from the past. So, so yeah. you
3: can reach out to the to the young younger folk, and you can reach out to the uh, say the more 30s to 40s as well, because you're going to be able to take them back to a time that they remember. Exactly,
5: <laughs> and especially I mean the album we are we are making right now because we will have an, al- an album release. By the end of the year, so an uh, LP, and uh, it's really uh, influenced by the '80s music. So there will be a strong '80s flavor on on this album. I know it's very trendy you know, to to say that you are '80s sometimes somehow, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I can hear that word anywhere. So everywhere. I
3: was I was never a fan of the '80s sound. I think I always thought it was a kind of first generation sound it was like they'd just discovered synth and it needed perfecting now we've got good synth and we can we can do it now better i don't think we need to reuse the sounds that they used in the 80s yeah. <laughs>
5: i understand we, we won't have those kind of uh i can say uh, gated drums, you know <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of Collins, yeah. etc i mean we won't to make something new, but we will take some elements. Especially, I think 80s, especially the the vibe, the melodic parts, were really strong. I think in my in my memory.
3: Scott, obviously your work is very very electric. So when you, when I've been in a band and I've been recording all of our productions done in studio. So like before, you know the guitars, it's all done there and then. Uh-huh. I'd imagine a lot of your work is done post-production. Is that right? Yeah, m- most.
5: Yeah, mostly. Absolutely, yes. I mean, I used to work at home myself. And uh, I mean, most musicians that worked on the project, I mean, do it at, wo- uh, at home. So uh, even Angelo, I mean, he has his own studio at home and he records his guitars. With his home studio, so um, now it's pretty much uh, easy to do it. The only thing that you cannot do really well, I think, in a home studio, is drums, live drums. It's almost impossible. You have to go to the to a, a studio with nice acoustics, etc. And uh, certainly the same goes for strings, etc. If you want to record live strings, or things like that. It's mostly, it's better go to go to a studio or with a nice acoustic. You know. But otherwise, especially now, because almost everything is made with software, you, know, so, uh, you have to find a balance between, between live and those kind of software recording. Okay, It's very important if you want to, to keep a live feel. You really need to, to balance with live recordings. It's... The most
3: important thing. Cool. The person who does the rapping in in the song Love Ghost. Yeah. Who's that?
5: It's Jethro Jethro Sheeran. And
3: where's he from?
5: Uh, He's from Bristol.
3: Oh, is it? I was listening to Alvin Alva trying to figure out who he reminded me of when I was listening to him rap. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ian Jury, and uh, yeah, I got a lot of Ian Jury from from his um, from his voice. I don't know if you know who Ian Jury is. Yeah. You are. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, I, I got, I got, as soon as as soon as I I got that, I couldn't stop hearing it. Then, but yeah, yeah, it was really good, good song, really good song. And I don't, and that's coming from me. I don't like usually the synthesised sound. I don't like the electronica But for some reason, this gripped me, and you got something good here. I think. Okay,
5: yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, the sense, the problem with sense is that you can be really uh, quickly cheesy if you don't, (laughs) you you have to, to be very, very careful about what you do with sense, because it's... Can't sound really
3: cheesy, so yeah, you can you can over things. I think I think there's a balance. as you need to kind of keep it? What's the word? You need to try and keep it sounding natural. Exactly. At the sa- at the same time as being, it's, it's it's a difficult balance. I don't. I wouldn't be able to. I've done some some uh, my own music, uh, mm-hmm. through propeller head, and I've put it on SoundCloud, but I've kept it to myself. And but I couldn't. I couldn't do what you do. It's it's it, it's a labour of love. It's got to be.
5: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's you. You really have to find the right balance, definitely, because um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I think you're right. So I'm not, especially. Uh, I work a lot with synths and keyboards, etc. But I'm not a great fan of synth sounds. So I really use it, but only in a, at a minimum. I mean, really, really sparsely, Uh yes. when it's necessary, and uh, I really prefer. Guitars, bass and uh, vocals. It's dry. I love to do uh, vocals harmonies. You no, know, I'm real a Beach boy fan, so uh,
3: <laughs> Yes, gotta love the Beach Boys.:
5: Yeah, and if you if you really listen to their music, I mean the backing tracks were really uh, sparse most of the time, except maybe in the psychedelic. Uh, psychedelic uh, area uh, with sped sounds on the, the other albums that came after but I mean their early works were really uh, like I mean the backing track was really sparse and they, there were a lot of space for vocals, vocal harmonies etc especially if you listen to a song like A Get Around if you listen to the backing track there is almost nothing <laughs> A beat and uh, maybe a bass, and that's it.
3: But they had such a full sound as well. They, they, yeah, it was genius the way they're able to strip it back but make it sound so full at the same time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So, how is this gonna work if you decide to go on tour or something, or go and go and play shows? Because obviously, everyone is all over the place. Yeah, yeah,
5: that's that's a very important question. We have to be organized. I mean we cannot do this just one day and say, Oh, what if you go on tour? That's not possible. I mean um we will have to, to be organized, especially um with the young uh singer from Columbus because he's only fourteen. Oh wow. So it's it's still at school. I know nobody noticed that he's fourteen. <laughs> But when I met him, he was 12, so, and when he sang that song, A Love Ghost, he was 13, so, uh, that, that's, that's a problem, I mean, we, we can, what we can do is, like, little tours, uh, that are already, uh, maybe, in some states, uh, of the United States, uh, you know, that kind of thing but we will see how, how it develops we see but we will have to be really really organized to, to be able yeah. to do that but i think everybody is motivated to 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 go on, uh, to do uh, to do it live so it will happen because the music we're making i mean it's really meant to be played live i think it will be really great in yes. A live yes lots of
3: flashing lights Exactly. Lots of much- Lots of strobe lights and people waving um, luminous sticks. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah guess that's
5: my idea. No, um I was thinking about a band uh, called Empire of the Sun. I don't know if you know them. But, uh, I do. Yeah. I do. So
3: recently they... came across them. Oh,
5: okay, right. So they have, like, great costumes, etc. The kind of thing I would like to develop with uh, St. Morris also. A bit like this. And... Uh, if you have watched uh, the video, I mean, we are already in that spirit, love goes video. I mean, and the next one called the Pacific States, uh, that has been already shot last year, but we will it will be released within the next month, few months, not next month, a few months. Uh, that's the same kind of uh, spirit, you know, uh, so it's, we have costumes, etc. kind of thing. So you're... I mean, you're pretty pretty right when you say that <laughs> we yeah, want think, to be flashy. Yeah,
3: I think you're gonna get go down very well with the LGBT community.
5: That's that's possible. That's
3: possible. You know, it's <laughs> that's very. That's not a bad. That's not a bad thing. They make a good crowd. Absolutely.
5: I mean, um, that 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 that's probably fine. I mean, uh, they are. I mean, they have pretty good taste in music. You know? so and some artists so that's very funny you mentioned it because you know we have been added to quite a few spotify playlists with love ghosts and a couple of ones are sex oriented i'm not joking (laughs) but really uh, (laughs) so at, at least two i think called sex something maybe i i haven't expected that i mean it was not the goal, you know. (laughs) But apparently, yes.
3: Added bonus. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You never know
5: how the song will be received, so what people will say. But I've already heard about everything.
3: Well, it sounds like it's making a storm already. Yeah. So, obviously, we're playing Love Ghost today, because you've got the new video out. But have you got any other new songs in the works?
5: Yeah, that's exactly. We have a couple of ones uh, in the making, of course, because we are making an album. So, but it, they are not ready. Still waiting for the final mixes, cetera, so, and we're still working on it.
3: So how do you see the rest of the year panning out?
5: So we are making uh, an album. Uh, so we are totally in the process, in the creative process right now. And then we will have another video to, that will be shot in uh, Bristol in, uh, in August. So for another uh, track of the forthcoming uh, album.
3: The video for Love Ghost. What was that all about? Um, was <laughs> yeah. it in- was it intentionally cheesy? Was it like a tongue-in-cheek cheesy type uh, y- thing?
5: Yeah, more or less. Because you know, it's kind of—I mean—it's the ID. Uh, it's the director's ID. So they've wrote the storyboard. <laughs> and They really wanted to do something like that. That reminds me of the—you know—these kind of cult movies from the sixties.
3: Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So
5: that was really the idea. They wanted to have that pig mask also. So in the video, I'm wearing a pig mask most of the time. And uh, we went, I mean, everything was shot in Switzerland. So in August, everybody came to to where I live, and we we shot everything there, especially in the hospital. When you see in the lab, people in the lab, I mean, it's in the hospital. Otherwise, it was in the very, um, we shot also some some parts of the video in a very, very old factory from the 1930s, if I remember. So it was a kind of old electric factory. And it was pretty pretty impressive, like Metropolis, you know. So that was that spirit, you know, to, to have that vintage vibe. A bit cheesy, yes, absolutely.
3: Yeah, it was good. It was a good video. I didn't quite understand it, but it was a good video. <laughs>
5: it's kind of psychically i mean yeah. there is a story behind it but when you see the video i agree it's not easy to get that story right but <laughs> feel,
3: i have only just i've only watched it the once i watched it before you came on so maybe if i watched it a few times yeah but i love the song love the song yeah. Okay, thank
5: you very much. Thank you very much. We really appreciate. It.
3: So, if our listeners want to get hold of you or listen to you, where can they do that? Yes. Yeah, so
5: we can. Uh, you can uh, listen to us on, on Spotify. Uh, we are also pretty much active on 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 Facebook, Saint Mars Official. We are also in Instagram. It's also Saint Mars Official. Uh, a little bit on Twitter, and we also have. A website that's really that is really worth visiting so it's stmars.net very easy so in one word stmars.net I think people should really start here because the, the I mean the website is really in the video
3: quite creative yeah
5: really really creative I think yeah absolutely so it's really worth Going there and see, and uh, you have uh, pretty much everything. Not, I mean, it's not overwhelming. It's really, um, really well made to to get people's attention. You
3: know? Yeah, I get you. So, well, I'll, we'll put your socials in the in the notes so that people can find you. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Then uh, to all the listeners out there listening, go check out Saint Mars. Go listen to their work. Listen to them on Spotify. If you like what you hear, then go and purchase some of their works. Go and show them some love. And just before we play your song, I'd just like to say thank you for joining me on the show today and taking time out of your day for us.
5: Thank you for this opportunity. I really appreciate
3: it. Yeah, it's it's our pleasure. Without further ado, I'm going to play your song now. So this is Love Ghost by St. Mars.
0: Feeling so weak in the power of love, my heart beats out, my knees make it I feel so much in my heart, is pure lust missing your touch. So much sometimes, I feel so glum, my life becomes so numb. What have I become a slave to your love? I'm ashamed inside, I'm so weak. I'm a junkie to your love. Easier, I can't remember. I blocked you out, kept the letters to send you. I can't believe while I'm looking back. You caused me so much pain for payback. Why do I still love you? I'm so confused, got so much to lose. Still loving you. Something inside tells me it's true. Why can't I stop loving you?
3: Okay, so that was St. Mars with his song, Love Ghost.
4: Love Ghost, yes.
3: Yeah, well, that's what that was. It was that, yeah. So what did you think, Wayne?
4: Well, I was was totally thrown aside by this, because there's a band that you and Neil introduced me to called the Postal Service, and this is where they... Recorded a bit of a song, sent it to the next person via post They recorded a bit more of that song, sent it to somebody else. And I've got a feeling that this band is a sort of same thing. Obviously, the guy's in Switzerland, then he's got... Uh, was it in the Netherlands, was it, or Sweden? He's got a singer from? I can't No, remember. he's got a
3: singer in um, Bristol, I think it was. Oh, he's got yeah. a singer in Bristol, he's got a singer in American...
4: Yeah, that's uh, right, yeah. Is it Ohio or something like that? Yeah, they are, they are a truly international band. And I've got a feeling that, that you'll see more of this start springing up everywhere. The way the internet's shaped, and the way that you can download the digital recordings can just be sent instantly across.
3: Well, we had um, <coughs> Rachel, Raquel, Lucy, Raquel, Lucy, and, Raquel I, and me. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and they did the same thing. Yeah, of the differences feeling... with the postal service when they did it, it was literally sticking a tape or a CD yeah. in there in the post. This is a lot quicker, but um...
4: yeah, it's low. We're talking postal service <coughs> would have been low-fi. It, it would have been like yeah. a Fostex four-track or something like that. So to have that sort of musical vision. Across the Atlantic, as it were, is is really good. And, and to pull that out of what it is, I mean, it's it's sort of a, a slow EDM, isn't it? You know, and it's got elements of of Duran Duran. It's got elements of old school rap in it. I really do like when yes, when you get to the chorus and, and yeah, that's what I mean by yeah.
3: the Duran Duran the chorus. It takes it takes it right back to the eighties. And you know, I don't like that eighties sound, but um, I quite like that vocals.
4: They're very good, yeah.
3: And the fact that they've got the geyser Firm, Massive Attack, Massive yeah. Attack, that's a big thing. Yeah. I hope he's listening. If you're listening, Mr. Massive Attack, give us a shout-out. be nice to uh, be shouted out at by I, love, Massive love,
4: Attack. I don't know if he went into into the interview, but I'd love to um, see how they became friends, how they...
3: It was through the producer. He's, oh, is um, it through the producer? I think it was... not. Um, he's a PR, PR guy or someone like ah, that. Oh, right, OK. And... Um, he said that the guitarist would be mm. perfectly suited for the style of music, so he sent over it is, his.
4: It is quite lighter, a lot lighter than Massive Attack. I
3: don't know if you look at like a uh, Teardrops. That's quite. It's, it's quite dark though, isn't it? It's quite a dark indie me- dance record, like. Me- me- the album Mezzanine was quite mm. dark. I, I find this
4: has got quite some shades of light. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. The yeah. decent. I song. See the video.
4: Um I don't think I can. he has got
3: that lit up mask on and they them in the hospital and
4: yeah, I remember you saying in the video he was uh, sorry, saying in the interview he was on about like sixties uh, noir films and things like that and and trying to capture like he mentioned Hitchcock and Psycho, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I can see where he was trying to what they were trying I have seen a little bit of the video, I haven't seen all of it. Yeah, I see what they're trying to capture that. Like, this is a sort of I'd imagine this is a like um on in the background sort of music, you know what I mean? Chilling out. I don't think thing.
3: so. This is club music for me. I think you, you've, you know. Um, you know what?
4: Yeah. You're saying that now. I agree. Yeah.
3: I can see the strobe, the, 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 these lights, you know, the disc, yeah, yeah, not yeah. disco lights. You don't have disco lights in the club, but you have your, your coloured lights and your flashing strobe Where do you have and, disco lights now then? Huh?
4: Where do you have disco lights? Other than a you podcast have, studio. You have
3: discos <laughs> at, a, at, a, at a wedding or something like that. The, the after party <laughs> of a wedding. Very good yeah but yeah at a club this is club music this is i'll agree with that yeah so yeah check them out uh, on all their socials and all their streamings
4: saint mass or as he said saint mass
3: yeah check them out if you like them go on apple or wherever they've got the music and purchase their work because they put a lot of blood and sweat into their work and they deserve to be paid for it because they do it for your entertainment you bastards So we'll move on. (laughs) You're not really bastards, I'm sure you're more lovely. So we're going to move on to our next artist now, the Lark and the Loon. They're a bit of a quirky duo, but uh, this is my conversation and their music. (laughs) Hello and welcome to the show, Lark and the Loon. Your band name sounds a lot like an English pub.
1: (laughs) Well, it's funny because the, um, the Loon is a bird over here in America. And it's the state bird of Minnesota where I was born. And we found out through our travels that over there, you guys call them divers, but they're actually the same birds.
3: Oh, I, I did not know that.
1: Yeah, they're kind of duck-like. Um, you you use the term over there more so as an insane person. You would call them a loon. Yes. You know? So I guess when we, when we travel overseas, sometimes people think that one of us is crazy. <laughs> okay.
3: <laughs> so, um... Tell me a bit about your, Is it a, it's not a band, it's like a duo, it's a duo, isn't it? It is, um, yeah. D- your style, of, is, it's not bluegrass, is it? It's What is it?
1: The, the long form term of it that we use is exploring the etymology of American music, which is a really fancy way of saying that we play whatever we feel like playing. Uh, mostly people just call it Americana, you know, blues is fine pre-war jazz gets thrown in there a lot you know there's a lot of adjectives for it because we do kind of split some different styles of it but i like to just say we play americana music or roots music where would you say that you take your inspirations from well a lot of our inspiration will come from our analog records you know our, our vinyl records we don't have a very good internet connection out here in arkansas where we live we're out in the woods and so we listen to a lot of old records that we've kind of gathered up from different places so we listen to a lot of composers like scott joplin or wc handy if you know who they are and some of the more well-known stuff that we listen to is like blind boy fuller robert johnson gets listened to a lot um leon redbone who just recently passed away is probably one of our favorite recording artists and of course there's contemporary people in there too joni mitchell bob dylan tom waits you know folks like that listen to a lot of louis armstrong ella fitzgerald
3: well you threw a lot of names in there early on that i've never heard of so there's yeah. a lot.
1: There's a lot of music being made out there, and there's a lot that's been made.
3: So, what's the connection between you and your partner? You married, are you?
1: Yeah, we've, we're married. We've been married for about six and a half years now. We met playing music. She was a songwriter. I was a songwriter. It was one of those things. Where we're just kind of playing in the same city, and we met Halloween night of 2012, and that was pretty a pretty quick merging of worlds. There, we got married probably you know, six months later.
3: Wow. And uh, what made you decide to move out into the sticks?
1: (laughs) Well, we were in Chicago for a while, which is an amazing city. And we were having a wonderful time there, but you get so busy in these big cities, you know? You get wrapped up in all these really short-term goals and short-term ideas, and so we kind of got lost in in the city life and forgot about our long-term goals, playing music, forgot about the things that really brought us together. And so we decided to move out here into the Ozark Mountains because th- there's so much more free time when you live out in the country. The living's a little bit easier, the pace is a lot more slow. So, after doing that, we got a lot more productive. You know, we've put out three records since we moved out here. It's been it's been very good for us. And so mostly just getting out of the city was the primary goal, but it was for the for the idea of productivity, if you will.
3: Okay. Cool. And have you found that being out there and in the fresh air has helped with your
1: creative juices, if you like? Absolutely. I would think so. You know, we were outside just this morning having our having our morning coffee and we were just sitting there listening to all the birds and we have all these beautiful birds and they nest around our house and they 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 nest in the trees and they sing every day. And that's kind of become a morning routine for us, is to go outside and listen to nature and really soak it in. And I like to think that we're kind of in touch with the natural world out here a little bit more than we were in the city, at least. And it it helps us write more music and kind of just tap into the natural melody that is around us.
3: Sounds lovely. Sounds beautiful. Sounds like something we should all do, to be honest.
1: I I would recommend it to anybody, even if just for a couple of days, if it's just for a little short weekend, get, get out of town for a little while and... And soak it in. It's wonderful.
3: So yeah, I was listening to your music today. I was on YouTube, and the last one that you did, I think, it was a uh, change our tune with the animation.
1: Sure, change our tune. Yeah, I animated yeah. that. We just you did that, did you? A... Yeah, I did. Yeah. That was really I, uh... good. Oh, thanks. I, you know, I taught myself how to animate in like ten days. Wow. I went from I went from no no knowledge at all. I was terrible at it. Absolutely horrendous. And in ten days, I made that entire video and i think i went back and edited it maybe like twice but yeah that was that was a weird little project i did this winter it was really cold so i needed something to do and so that's you've where done I put all
3: two my animated videos haven't you
1: uh three now oh, yeah three. I, I directed the last one and then the, the one before that was done by a friend of ours so we really had no say in the first one for the most part but yeah this is our third one we've done one for every record animations are just fun you know you got you gotta have fun with your music
3: is that the is that a song that you'd like to promote, or have you got like a single coming out?
1: Uh, we just put out another album. Our, our last album is called Two, and it's an album of duets that we wrote and recorded in New Orleans. And so oh, right. that came out on May twentieth. So that's just it's a month old as of yesterday.
3: And what's your favorite song off that album?
1: Probably our favorite song off of that one might be the second one, "Eye of the Storm," or the first one, "Change Our Tune." And Change Our Tune was the one that sort of formulated the concept. We wrote that song and we said, this is really cool. This is a duet. We're both on it, 50-50. It's an equal split of our vocal presence. And so we kind of just went with that idea and every single song is pretty much like that. It's a 50-50 split in terms of who's leading the song. But the second one, Eye of the Storm, is a lot of fun. That's kind of a, there's a lot of overlapping parts to it and a lot of intensity, which we really like playing around with.
3: How, what's the inspiration behind you writing so obviously your sound, the what you mentioned earlier, How do you, what inspires your li- lyricism, if you like?
1: A lot of it probably comes from a desire to be sort of playful. Rocky and I, my wife and I, we, we like to write our music together. And so we're sort of working as like an in-house editing team the entire time we're writing. And so there's a level of kind of playfulness that comes out of that. I think a lot of what we like to do is try to bust out of the normal songwriting norms. You know, so many people we like to talk about, we'll write songs that are like a lot of I and me statements. You know, I feel this, I want that, and me, this, and me, that, and this happened to me. And so we try to kind of avoid doing that because I think there are people out there that write those songs that are really good at them and they're great. And we just don't feel like we need to throw even more into the mix. So we try to write more stuff kind of from the lighter side of life, things that kind of cheer you up. And we focus a lot on that alongside, a lot of the more emotional aspects of life
3: cool then yeah it comes out in your work and i think that's one of the reasons why i like it it's it's cheerful and it puts a smile on your face while being (laughs) good at the same time so what have you got coming up i mean have you got any shows any gigs are you able to do gigs out there
1: in the sticks not so much we do live in a town of about 25 ish 100 people there's maybe a little over 2000 but it's a tourist town so there are places to play here periodically, especially during the tourist season. But most of the time, we play on the road, and so we've got a tour coming up now where we'll be traveling across the United States. We'll be doing the Midwest and the Pacific Northwest, up in like Washington and Oregon, and then back. So it's kind of a Western tour. We'll be going through the Prairie, which is one of our favorite places to travel through, and then after that, we'll be doing the Gulf Coast and the East Coast come fall. So it'll be a it'll be a busy couple of months for us, kind of pushing. Yeah, you're going to be
3: going for quite a while.
1: Yeah, I think uh, this next tour will be gone. We're leaving in a week from today, so the the very end of June. And we won't get back until, I think, maybe late August. And then we'll be home for about three weeks, and then we're heading out again.
3: And do you have somebody book the shows for you and get you in on the show, or do you do all that yourself?
1: We do it all ourselves. We do it all on our own. We used to have someone that did that, but we learned very quickly that nobody cares about you as much as you. <laughs> So, you know, we we just found out that it's better to do it on your own, at least at this stage in our career, because it's more hands-on. We get to meet the people that that run the venues. We get to meet the people that come out and promote the shows. And it's it's really wonderful. The only time we ever work with outside help with booking is when we go overseas. That's the only time it's ever useful, because we don't know how to navigate that at all. So we'll leave that up to the professionals then.
3: Okay. So if our listeners want to listen to you or get hold of you or send you some love where can they where can they do that
1: you can go to our website that's thelarkandtheloon.com and then there's of course the normal outlets instagram facebook twitter we're also on youtube we're on spotify you can get us an apple music
3: okay cool and if and to the listeners out there, if you listen to the Lark and the Loon and you like what you hear, go out and buy their work. Don't just listen to it on Spotify. Show them some love by buying their work, because far too many, far too many artists, I uh, feel, are missing out because Spotify just isn't, it just isn't cutting it, is it?
1: No, it's like a. I think we get about five dollars a year year from them <laughs> annually you know my my wife actually had a song go viral several years ago and it got you know over a million hits or whatever and i think she made a total of like twelve dollars wow so and that that, can...
3: make, that makes you realize i mean obviously as an artist you know because you're there but if you're just somebody on the outside listening in i don't think we re- realize just uh how difficult it is nowadays to make money now. So I think it's harder than it's ever been because before you could make a CD go out to a gig and sell your CD. Nobody's bothered about CDs anymore.
1: Yeah, it's really difficult. And you know, there's a there's a famous incident and I can't remember the artist, but it happened very recently where there was a musician who went to the United States Congress to give a speech about this exact problem and he told the, the Congress people there that he had a record and it got streamed like seven or eight million times and he made... Twenty dollars, and they just didn't believe him.
3: That's crazy. Yeah, as usual, the big companies, Spotify and all them, they make all the money, and the people who actually put in the work and effort are the ones losing out. But that's the whole thing. I don't want to go into it. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna play your song now. Then the Eye of the Storm. Uh, just want to say thank you for joining me on the show.
1: Thank you very much. It was my pleasure.
3: So without any further ado's, this is Eye of the Storm by Lark and the Loon.
2: Lark's bridge, mark's the tree. Honey, the way that, that you walk, walk, walk with me Walking around, thinking we were somebody else Break a leg, knock dead Do everything the director said Walking, walking around, thinking we were somebody I'm else Well, you know and stones, that I tried bones, But life's not always fair hair, You can try any little you trick you've got But you won't see me there There, there are a two kinds of fortune along. So intertwined, are intertwined. and if, if I, I find I've a way out, on, I'm gonna make sure that it's mine. Live live and let you live talk with, oh, and me I'll give all the I've air. got to give. You might feel secure yeah. living in the eye of the storm, but I wouldn't do it not if I was somebody else. About Nobody cares about you now They were just there Thinking me we were somebody else Keep it up Don't give in Do everything that you can to win The folks out there Thinking me we were somebody else Well you know That I try But life's not always fair And you can try any little trick you got But you won't see me there and there are both so intertwined, intertwined. And if, if I, I find I a way a out hungry. I'm gonna make sure that it's mine and let him Oh and I'll talk give all I've got to give You might feel secure, secure Living in the eye of the storm But I wouldn't do it Not if I was somebody else
3: else That was The Lark and the Loom with their song Eye of the Storm Thank you Wayne Like I said before I played the interview They're a quirky little duo They're not to everybody's taste I wouldn't have thought But with us trying to be non-genre specific I looked at this and then listened to it, because I couldn't see much. But then when I listened to it, I thought, yeah, I like it. Not everybody will, but there's a lot of people out there that will like this. Very quirky. It's got jazzy elements. It's it's nice. You know would like
4: this? Who? Our friends from Bamboozle.
3: Oh, yeah, they would be all over this. Yeah. And the fact that they produce the sound they've got out in the sticks with probably not a proper recording studio, it's...
4: Right, the question I want to know is, what jobs did they do that they could just up sticks from the city and move to the sticks?
3: Up sticks from the city and
4: move to the sticks? Yeah. That's that's correct. Move from the city to the sticks. It's none of our business. It's none of our business, but I want to know. And when we're going to get an invite to one of these places, I want to see the fucking Ozark Mountains.
3: Yeah, it looks beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic. So, yes, this band, uh, obviously got swing elements, like a... 30s, that 30s type swing thing. Yeah. you know you know the what what was the uh, genre challenge yeah. that I had with the gypsy swing no the bamboozle sent me it was the name of a wham song. the name of the genre escapes me at the moment
4: It's like gypsy swing and it's got a bit of uh, skiffle in it skiffle yeah it's definitely got some skiffle, skiffle. Elements in they mentioned um, when they were talking about their massive record collection. I mean, you get the you get the the feel. I had no idea what this song was. And jitterbug, jitterbug. It has got jitterbug elements. You're right. Yeah. That's, I was looking in the Bible because I couldn't remember what it was called. Um, when he was talking about his record collection, and he said record collection, he didn't say when I listen to these songs or when I've downloaded. These guys have actually got a record, and a record collection. Oh yeah, right? yeah. And you mentioned, I mean, he mentioned all these people, and the only person I'd heard of is Robert Johnson. To be honest, I had no idea the rest of them. It was completely over my head, and I was meant to have a look, but it, I only had the interview, so I had a chance to, to to skim through and have a look at the other bands that they were mentioning. But the minute you mentioned Robert Johnson, I can hear Robert Johnson in this. You know the, the way it's played, and Robert Johnson is obviously. I found A member of the blues um, movement and and the way those those guitars are played, you know, and um, <clears throat> what was his name? Uh, we had a genre challenge. It was the song that Nirvana covered. Neil brought it. Oh, I forgot his name, but that sort of song, you know. Um, Where did you sleep last night? I can't remember. Oh, Lead Belly, Lead Belly, and that yeah. sort of yeah. that era, you know. Yeah, sort
3: like, of, like I said, it's definitely a thirty yeah. forty era type um, sound. Again, it's not for everyone, but.
4: There is a massive following in this conference. Yeah, absolutely. There's so a, that sort of there's,
3: there's a lot of people out there that will love this. And it's like, like I said earlier, in the spirit of trying to keep everything non-genre specific, this definitely deserves a platform. This is I think. great. I love this. Yeah, it's, it's it's funky. I think his voice reminds me a bit of Weird Al.
4: <laughs> yes, I can see that. Yeah, absolutely.
3: But with her, mm. you know, under, well, together, they, they perfectly compliment each other. There are,
4: there are so many festivals now. I mean, Bamboo, our friends, Bamboo's will play lots of these festivals. These guys could just slot into, and there's an already built-in audience because it's it's swing time music, you know, and people they love that that genre, you know, rock and roll and all that sort of thing. You can always find a knight somewhere in a city that's doing that sort of thing,
6: yeah.
4: you know. And <clears throat> when I met my lovely Emma. The second date we ever had, she took me to the kitchen garden in King's hell,
3: mate. No. When no. I met my lovely Emma. Because she is lovely. Who says that? Me? That's who says it. When I met my lovely Emma.
4: <laughs> right. She took me to the kitchen garden and they had like a speakeasy night on. And we went in and there was uh, they they'd got like renamed cocktails, you know, like drag race and things like that. And Moon you know, they were selling their are authentic and I'm using Bunny ears, Moonshine. And they had this type of band on that night and it was fantastic. And to listen to that band live and how tight they were i'm sure these guys would be exactly the same they need to get into europe i think
3: this is a live music sound this absolutely. is the, this is the kind of thing that you yeah like you say in yeah. mountain about it's like a beer festival or something yeah, like absolutely. that this this is this is on you in, in the background but still being listened to have you watched any of the youtube clips <clears throat> um
4: this guy absolutely wails on the harmonica. It's, it's fantastic to listen to. He really gives it some... It's, it's incredible.
3: The multi-instrumentalists, on that. they? They are, yeah, and They're, absolutely. they're quite, quite talented.
4: Yes, they're very talented, yeah. I believe,
3: yeah. Like I said, the, the way the voices work together is brilliant. Very, Defi- very... Definitely check them out. Like I said, they, they, they're they never going to take over the world. They're never going to become mainstream. But then they don't want to, because if they did, they, they'd... No don't want to chose this style of music. Yeah.
4: There's a niche for these guys and that's the end of it.
3: Yeah, and, that, you know. You know, and they, they fit it perfectly. They certainly do. So yeah, check them out. Check the uh, show notes. They'll be in there.
4: Yes. Lark and the Loon with Eye of the Storm.
3: Yeah. Next artist. Our next artist is Nate Cause. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the show, Nate Cause. How, how are you?
7: Good, good. Thank you. Thanks for having me on.
3: Not at all. It's uh, our pleasure. So, tell me, who is Night What are you all about?
7: Well, I've been a musician pretty much as long as I can remember. I was, played piano as a, as a kid. Not particularly seriously, but um, was always kind of interested in music. And at some point, I think it was 11 or 12, I found an old guitar that my mom had had in the closet for years. And it had, you know, strings were missing. And I think it was broken. But um, I, I just really kind of fell in love with it. And um, guitar was sort of my my main segue into music, creating and writing and and playing with friends. Yeah, so that's kind of where it started. From there, uh, I decided to go to school for, uh, I wanted to have some sort of a practical uh, college degree. So I went for a music business degree, but I really spent most of my time in the recording studio or in the practice rooms. And I ended up getting uh, a minor in production and a minor in Uh, music theory after that i just i went to uh, a few years later rather i I went to new york city um and started working in a recording studio there as an engineer and then kind of just sort of segued into writing my own music composing my own music and uh and and writing for other other people as well
3: where are you currently currently situated
7: Uh, i'm in los angeles now i was i was in uh, new york city for for about eight years moved to melbourne australia actually um Funny enough for about three years and for the past year or so i've i've been in los angeles
3: so you've been getting about a bit then?
7: yeah yeah um cool experiences um always interesting to like sort of scope out the new musical landscape of of whatever city i'm in it's a bit of a challenge you know getting connected and, and getting plugged in but it's exciting so yeah it's been it's been fun
3: is it's that not... something that you do when you're going going to different countries you try to take a bit of influence from there cultures or their, their styles
7: yeah i th- i think so i mean i think i think it happens pretty organically you know i think my my a lot of my inspiration is tends to be sort of subconscious if i'm if i'm experiencing like in australia for instance um uh, our apartment was uh, had beautiful views of of the sunsets pretty much every every day in the australian summer you'd, you'd see this beautiful sunset and found myself taking a lot of pictures of it and just going for long walks to to see the sun from different angles. And, and I think things like that, I mean, you can see sunsets anywhere, but, but for some reason that particular view stuck with me. So things like that tend to inspire me and in Los Angeles. It's been, um, it's just been the city itself, the, um, the expanse of the city, the downtown area versus some of the more, you know, there's mountains right next to skyscrapers in L.A., it seems like. So things like that sort of you know, influence me, I think, um, without me even always noticing it consciously.
3: Would you say you're quite a spiritual character?
7: Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I definitely I definitely feel connected with God. I, I definitely feel like there's more to life than the you know, the three dimensions that we sort of experience on a daily basis. So yeah, I guess I would consider myself. Well,
3: the, only reason, the only reason I ask is because, like, you you ask most people, most artists about their inspirations. They go, "Oh, I like the Beatles, or I like this band and that band." But you seem to take your inspiration from your surroundings, your you know the the elements, if you like, and that th- that's not something you often hear from a an artist. But it, it's something that comes out in your work, I think, as well.
7: Mm. Okay. Yeah. No. Thank you. I think. I think that's. I think that's probably accurate. I mean, I, I, when I write, I'm, I mean, I read, I read a lot of music and the vast majority of which, you know, never really sees the light of day, but I feel like I know when something's sort of good enough for for me anyways, when I, when I begin to have an emotional reaction to it, and it's kind of a reaction that I might experience, you know, as, as you said, from, from things surrounding me. And so while I am certainly influenced by bands like the Beatles or 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 someone like Philip Glass or, or you know name any any composer or, or artist of the last you know century, but you know I, I certainly am inspired by them. But I feel like my deepest connection is sort of is sort of the world around me. If that if that makes sense.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You got lots of classical elements in your music. I noticed. Do you uh, do you listen to a lot of classical
7: music? Um, I, I listen to, like. Um, modern classical i would say um you know i listen to i do listen to a lot of film music um, i also compose for film on occasion and i kind of try to expose myself to a lot of what's happening in the film world um like even you know characters as as sort of renowned as as john williams or cast like that but like um also, like guys that are new around the scene, Trent Reznor even doing things that, it's, that it's a really high profile. I, I listen to a lot of that kind of music, and I think all those guys are influenced by classical music, so I think it kind of trickles trickles through.
3: Yeah. I like recent, I mean, it's only been recently, probably, well, I don't know how long, but I've, I've started listening more to classical and more uh, composed pieces of work rather than. Uh, yeah. Songs that already tell you a story. It's like my, most songs in the mainstream. It's it's going to be a song that's going to tell you a story, and that's the story. Whereas right. I've been listening. I don't know if you know if got a guy called Christian, Ekerson. Was it Chist- Christian Eckerson He's a no, he's sure. a he's a pianist, and it's just simple pieces of work. But in, when I listen to it, and it's the same with you. When I listen to your work and his work, it paints a picture. Yes. And obviously, you know, you've got your influences, and each each piece has its meaning to you but when i listen to it it's it's nice to be able to paint my own picture Mm. rather than listen to someone in the mainstream and have them tell me what their story is yeah if you understand what i'm saying
7: yeah absolutely i I think that's i think that's a great comment you know i i that to me is is a great compliment because it's that's sort of what I strive for. I mean, I'm certainly I'm certainly expressing something uh, when I when I write, and but it's but it's often not specific. You know, it, it might be inspired by a specific sunset or, or a conversation with, with a good friend or something like that. I think there's so much room for interpretation, and, and to hear that that uh, comes through is that's that's uh, great. That's great for me to hear as an artist.
3: Yeah, it definitely does that. I find your work very and it's a word you wouldn't usually associate with music but i find it very picturesque you know it paints a picture and like i said before even though when you're creating your music you you have a vision you have a a picture in mind but even though the picture in my head's different to your picture i think that the you know the feeling that the music conveys will paint a similar picture so if you're writing a song about a dark time or a dark place in your life I think that music, in fact, I'm pretty sure that music would convey the same thing to me. And I'd be reminded of a dark place and dark time in my life. But uh, if, I think, if you get what I mean. So, yeah, uh, shows and things. Do you do shows? Do you do gigs? Or is it all studio work that you do?
7: Um, right now, it's it's primarily studio work. When I was in New York, I did some gigs, mostly um Mostly playing guitar for other for other people, uh, but I definitely am a, a studio creature, studio monster. I love I love sort of isolating myself for long periods of time uh, to create. But one of my plans uh, for the next year in Los Angeles is to is to do some live gigs and to try to get to try to get some of the, my more sort of obscure music out there in the public.
3: You're probably going to have to try and find some obscure uh, venues, because absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd imagine there are a few of those in Los Angeles.
7: Yeah, I think there are some. I think there are some options around here. Some, you know, strange venues for for strange people. I think I'd fit right in.
3: Cool. So, what's the future hold? What's the rest of this year hold for you?
7: Well, I just uh, recently opened a recording studio, so it's sort of a half commercial, half uh, private. Uh, studio venture in in downtown los angeles Um, i'm going to be doing a lot of of film and tv work there also doing some projects with uh collaborators as well so it's like i said it's kind of semi public semi-private uh studio but i think i'm really going to be throwing myself into that and uh hopefully hopefully working on on some new music
3: awesome and obviously we wish you all the best with your endeavors and hope you'll keep us up to date with what's going on and any future works so we're going to play your song in a minute nightingale one which you've chose to go out so why nightingale one um
7: i think my track nightingale one is probably one of the standouts for me personally on on uh on the 19 album yeah something about it just i just i like i like the shape of it. it has various sections and grows to be really big and grows to and then kind of shrinks back down so i think that's that's kind of the one that's my my favorite at the moment
3: it is a great track i love it and i'm sure the listeners will love it also so yeah before we play this track i just want to say thank you for joining us on the show today it's been an absolute pleasure
7: awesome thanks so much for having me appreciate it
3: and without any further delays here is Nightingale 1 by Nate Cause <phone rings> So that was Nate Cause, and that was his composition, Nightingale 1. Did you like this?
4: I did, yeah. This is, you know, for regular listeners, you know that I have a massive love for film, and this is a massive, you know, this guy has got a massive cinematic, you know, you mentioned John Williams in his interview, and I can see... He's got this cinematic landscape that he's trying to paint with his with his music, and he's in the right place for it. He's living in LA, you know. It's it's the right city to make that sort of stuff and to make a career of it. Whether it's the right place for him to be here on the B side, I don't know. You know, considering that it's it's all. Un- I mean, he is unsigned technically. I suppose. Why has he got a lot of listeners? No, no, not that. I'm on about like we normally swing towards.
3: People. Songs. Yeah, songs, music. Not necessarily. I mean, I, necessarily, bought no. Christian, when I bought Christian Eckerson. Yeah. That was just a piano piece, and it won the head head I feel like I've just been really detrimental.
4: I'm not. I think this is really good, and I think what he's doing is really... There was times of this that it reminded me of work by Hans Zimmer in Blade Runner 2049, which the score to that is fucking incredible. And there was moments in this where it's got that... It doesn't need much to promote an image...
3: It's like Robert Miles. I mean, he he became mainstream, and he didn't do anything much different to what, no, Nate's that's doing. That's true. I've got him down in my playlist, lo- uh, loads of his songs. I think he's absolutely fantastic. I love the idea of producing paintings with music, and that's what this does. That's, that's it exactly produces it. images. It's, it's you you put your story to it. Mm. It's only been within the last year or so that I've started to listen to more instrumentals and this is a perfect example of what the 80s were striving to be with synth that the synth sound it was this is synth done properly and he's using still using synth but he's using organic sounds Mm. but he's he's, there's non-organic sounds in there as well but they're not but they're done in an organic way it's hard to explain i know what i mean in my own head but everything sounds organic even though some of it isn't and it just Blends perfectly, and what whatever I'm thinking in my head when I listen to it, it's going to be different to what you picture. Mm. But that's the beauty of it, you know. it's not someone coming to a mic and telling you their story. So when Adele sings her song, you can't walk away thinking, "Well, that means that uh, she really wants to go and buy a car." No, she's telling you <laughs> that she's uh, she's really upset and she's she's fell out with this person, or whatever. She she's telling you the story. Whereas this. You use your imagination, you make the story, it's just beautiful.
4: What you were saying there, Francesca Louise, who was on our episode 12 of The A-Side, she said exactly the same. She said people had come up to her after the show and she'd sang a song that meant something to Francesca, which then meant something to them, which was completely different to what Francesca had wrote about. I mean, she's not being clear
3: enough in her lyrics. (laughs) It's totally down to
4: interpretation, is it? I, I made the comparison... Um, from Nate Cause to Hans Zimmer uh, a moment ago, and it's just occurred to me why, and it's the Dunkirk soundtrack. Have you heard the Dunkirk soundtrack or seen Dunkirk the film, the Christopher Nolan film? Neither. Right, all the way through that film, there is a ticking clock, and he's got that in this song. It's there.
3: Yes, he has. Yes.
4: Yes. And that's that's where I'm, I think that's subliminally, 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 subliminally that word, in my head that's where I think yes, the hands of them Is it a ticking clock? It
3: is a ticking it's, clo- it's, it's
4: just a but, beat, it's like a metronome. The song itself is quite, you know, it's quite slow, and it's quite, word of the podcast, ethereal, whereas <clears throat> the ticking clock gives it an urgency, unsettles you a little bit in the background, because you know that the ticking clock means something. It means something's about to kick off. I something. it's a
3: ticking clock. But again, it means something
4: different exactly. to you than Inter- just to me. And yeah. that, you interpret, yeah, yeah
3: it's brilliant. Yeah. It's absolutely fantastic. You should... Definitely check him out. Absolutely. Nate Coors, K-H-O. Is it double RS?
4: O-R-S, I think it is.
3: K-H-O-R-S. Check him out. We'll put all the notes below. And now we're going to move on to the the next artist. (laughs) This is a big one for me, Wayne, this. I know. Now, some of you might know out there who listen to us on a regular basis that my favourite band since 1997... Um my favourite album since nineteen ninety seven by my favourite band Burlap to Kashmir And I managed to get the drummer of all people. I'm a drummer percussionist, he's a drummer. I've got the drummer from Burlap to Kashmir on the B side. It's fucking immense. And uh so yeah. So this is my conversation with Theodore and their track tonight. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the show, Theodore Pagano of Burlap to Cashmere. Would I be right in saying that you are the drummer? I am, yes. Right, well this is quite a big deal for me because anyone that knows me knows that Burlap to Cashmere have been my favourite band for probably 20 years now, since the release of Anybody Out There. For those that don't know you, who is Burlap to Kashmir and can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
8: Burlap to Kashmir is a folk, ethnic folk rock band uh, that started about 20 years ago. We sort of are very influenced by early folk like Simon and Garfunkel, Cat Stevens, Bob Dylan, that kind of music. We've been making records and recording and touring for the better part of 20 years.
3: Cool. So, who makes up up to Kashmir.
8: So the band started out as a seven-piece band uh, in its very earliest days. Uh, Original members uh, still working in the band are myself and the singer-songwriter Stephen DeLopoulos and Johnny Filippides, who was the guitarist and vocalist. And we're the three original members, uh, the basic core of the band that carry on, and we have some other guys that play with the band, but the the, the core of the band, the actual band members, are the three of us.
3: Alright, so you've had a few changes over the years. Um, The album, Anybody Out There, which was released in 98, was it?
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
3: The, uh, um, it was an absolute eye-opener for me, because I'm a percussionist and drummer myself. Oh, cool. Um, I was... 18 at the time when I discovered the uh the, the album and a friend cause I was listening to a band, I was quite into a band called the W's at the time and they're a Christian ska band and a friend of mine said well If you like these you're like burlap to cat you sound you sound nothing like the W's I don't know why you made the comparison but um, I'm glad he did, because obviously I discovered the album. But the album itself, because I was always, I was, I, well, I was 18 and I, I was doing a bit of drumming here and there. But it's everything was always 4-4 four, four with me, you know. I knew about time signatures, because you learn about them. But I thought, you know, you'd... What's the time signature? What's the point? You know, it's just four four. Every, all the good songs are done in four four. And then when I discovered Burlap to Cashmere, it was like completely opened my eyes. Like divorce. It was like it was my. It's been my favourite song for such a long. It's like a complete eye opener. And it must have been. Do you, do you find it? Did you find it challenging as a drummer to? Um, yes, absolutely. The, the the sound the sounds and what you were producing, it must have took so long to get right for the recording.
8: Yeah, it did. I mean, we, we, when we started out, I mean, the, 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 the where it comes from in the first place is that the singer, songwriter, Stephen Delopoulos, uh, and Johnny is with and their cousins, um, they're of a Greek background, and a lot of the Greek, um, folk music that they grew up listening to is in odd time signatures, so Stephen... Um, we'll write a song and then he'll bring it to the rehearsal room and say I did this he'll play it for us and and, uh, we're usually like what the hell is that I mean you know trying to you know get a have a brain hemorrhage trying to count it Um, but uh, you know right off the bat you recognize that the songwriting is quite good and and it's unique for it to be uh, have this ethnic sort of uh, twist to it and so this sort of style formed out of that. At the time it was myself and a, a brilliant percussionist named Scott Barksdale who was an original member and he was very well schooled in Afro-Cuban music and so we sort of took what what Steven was bringing in with the Greek uh, sort of time signatures and stuff like that and the Afro-Cuban style and kind of combine them together and and try our best to keep it as simple as possible because it's it's a very complex counter you know i mean a lot of you know the trick with with a lot of this stuff is, is like we want to stay as far away from it being froggy sounding as we can because it's so complex that we want it to be able to be enjoyed by you know as many people as possible and the more complex it gets the more difficult it is to understand and to sort of enjoy and so you know, it's always our goal to try and knock it back and and keep it simple and, and strip it down to uh, as basic as possible, and then build it back up. you know, with, with production, it, it always winds up being built back up into something that's uh, fairly produced. Um, but yeah, it was. The, I mean, I remember the first. You know, working on those first few songs, I was like, "What is this?" And then you know, over time, you you, you know, he keeps bringing songs like that to the table and you got to step up and figure it out, and you develop a style that way. And so, you know, we wound up developing this style over time just by trying to figure out how to approach these songs. So, yeah, definitely difficult to start with.
3: I think you were so far ahead of your time at at the time that you weren't appreciated as much as you probably should have been. So, I mean, even today, if that album was released today, It would be just as prevalent today and work just as well today as it did back then it hasn't it's aged so well i think
8: The thing that i think was very interesting about this band is that we were doing a kind of music right a sort of 60s folk music that was popular in the 60s and then it kind of you know it never went away but it sort of wasn't you know pop music was in the forefront and, and then you know time some more time passes and you have a sort of explosion of what they now call americana um, which is, you know, so many huge bands of, you know, uh, Mumford and Sons and, and you know, so, so many of these bands are really big now on that style. And it's something that we were kind of interested in, and it was a very niche thing. And we grew up in New York City where a lot of this music was happening in the 60s, and we started playing at the bitter end, which is where a lot of this music happened in the 60s. And we just loved that music, and so we, that's what we played. But it was very niche back then and it's become very mainstream now, so
3: our timing has not been great. <laughs> you have evolved of, I mean, you took a big big break, didn't you, between um, something like 2000 and 2011? And, um, yeah,
8: exactly, yeah.
3: Yeah, and when you came back, you came back with the album Burlap to Kashmir, and I'll, I'll be honest, when I first listened to it, when I first listened to it I was I was disappointed cuz I was expecting what you I was expecting more of what you did in anybody out there but then as I carried on listening to it I started to understand that you know you you've you've evolved as a band you're not doing 1998 music now you're doing music that you want to do the more i listened to it the more i started to appreciate it in fact a few other songs on that last album two of my favorite songs over all of your music including the first album oh cool especially build a wall i love that song
8: oh thank you um yeah when we when we came back in 2011 you know we haven't been together in 10 years and so we had to figure out how to be a band again and um you know, we did. We all did various different things while we were away. Uh, Johnny did a lot of session work. Stephen put out some solo records. I lived in England for about seven years. I actually lived in Birmingham for about six months, and then I moved to London, uh, where I lived for about seven years.
3: Were you still doing music in that time?
8: Yeah, I was playing music. Yeah, yeah not, I mean, not with Burla, Um but I was playing in some rock and roll bands and stuff like that uh, in London. Yeah, and then I and then I, you know, I decided I missed playing music so much. But I wound up coming back to New York, and and started up Burlap again with Johnny and Steven. And so when we made that that album in 2011, first of all, that was with a, a legendary producer named Mitchell Froom, who's worked with everyone from um, you know Elvis Costello, Paul McCartney. Um, oh, his, his list of credits is just is incredible, and he's an incredible man. Uh, and you know, the, it was a very different idea. The idea was, you know, to sort of strip back all the, all the things that we were used to doing when making music. We were very used to, you know, we had a very specific template and you worked together for so long. You figure out a way of working together and it becomes the way you make music thereafter. And, and the goal when we came back to that was, all right, let's not do that thing that we've always done. And create these very grandiose arrangements and try and keep it a bit more rootsy and choose songs that are a little less complex. And and so that's what we did. And i got to tell you, it's my favorite thing that we've ever done um, for a number of reasons. Because of the growth that we took from it and the way we, we changed for it. I think some of the songs on that record I just love, and um, yeah, I think it's all of our favorites, but it was definitely, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a departure. And then, you know, something, things come full circle, we, you know, then we started touring that record and realized, oh, okay, so some of the things that we were doing in the 90s were, I mean, first off, we were a very live band. It's much better live than we ever were recorded. Um, our live show is, is, the, thing, is the thing that, that really made uh, the band popular. And so we had to then put all those things back or decide what we wanted to put back into the music when we played those songs live. So, you know, we stripped it back to record it and then we tried to add some more of those elements back uh, in order to uh, make it work live. So we're in a place now where it's where. You know, it's sort of a halfway point where it's you know we try and keep some of the stuff rootsy and then try and stretch out on a lot of the stuff so that it's interesting live.
3: Okay, I suppose it's it's easier to listen to uh, than than the, the the first album. So if you you're playing to an audience, it almost takes effort to listen to the to anybody out there. Whereas with the second one, that you know you can get audience participation and everything. So yeah, that's, yeah. I see why you would strip it back, and it took me longer than the first one, but it, it did grow on me a lot, and I still I, I do love I do love the album now. But on a slightly different subject, what was the thinking behind that film that you did?
8: Um. Well, that was uh, we released that record, and we did some touring for it, and then we were approached by Greg Leonard. It was a famous old producer, uh, director rather. It's uh, made a lot of really big films, Lawnmower like Man and. Uh, virtuosity and uh, he's made a lot of, uh, a lot of big films and, and, and he had an idea to make a film from a record. So take a record and make a film from that record that tells the story of the band in segments per song. So uh, every song has a, what they call a frag or a fragment of the film and all put together it tells the story. Um, so we were approached to do it, and we thought it was a great idea and it would be a lot of fun to make. So we did it. We spent a few weeks in, in LA and, and on tour, uh, touring that record and, and making that movie. And it's very strange when you're not a, an actor to watch yourself on screen. I remember the premiere of the movie we did in Soho House in, in New York here, and it just, you know, it's. it's Cringeworthy to a degree, you know, like you watch it and you're like, oh boy, what am I, what's going on? But uh, the whole experience altogether was a lot of fun.
3: What was the feedback like for that?
8: You know, it didn't really, and this has happened with a lot of our stuff. Um, we've uh, sort of had, you know, issues with, with, with our always with record companies. We put a record out, like the first record we put out was the, this that we wanted two labels, a Christian label and a mainstream label. And the mainstream label. Um, sort of sat on it for about a year. They didn't quite get it. And then the Christian label got it right away and they started promoting it. And so it did really well on that market. And then a year later the mainstream label caught up and they decided they loved the record and they were going to put everything behind it. And then at that moment they were bought out by the Seagram's Beverage Company and the CEO was fired and we moved on to Interscope Records where Jimmy Iovine was uh, was, was in charge of us. And you know, then we sort of got pushed off that label, and then we came back, and we were on Sony Drive Records, and then they were folded uh, as our record was coming out. And so we were put onto RCA Records, and you know, so there's always been that sort of thing with this band. It's just a bad timing with business, and with that movie, the movie came out, and the record company. You know, we wound up getting shuffled off to a different record company, and they didn't support the release of the movie. And no one was really sort of working in conjunction. And by the time it came around, we were ready to work on it. They had moved on to other things, and so business-wise, you know, this band has always, always sort of <laughs> been, you know, had bad timing with making things connect.
3: Almost as if you're always in the right place, just always at the wrong time. Which is a shame because you've definitely got a sound that should have made it over a lot of the stuff that's out there at the moment. What's the future looking like for Bur- Burlap to Cashmere? Have you got any more albums in the pipelines?
8: We have, I, w- I would say we have five albums <laughs> that we could put together right now. We have that many songs. Uh, Stephen writes and writes and writes, and you know, uh, we have, and all, you know, it's good material too. I mean, it's not like, uh, they're not b-sides he's he's quite uh, prolific in that sense so there's plenty of material we we have conversations all the time we have a a, a gig this saturday uh, a christian festival in um, virginia and then next month we have a few gigs in ohio and so yeah i mean i've been talking to johnny and stephen all week this week and and we're just trying to figure out how to do Something different. You know, we don't want to just put another burlap record out. Um, we want to do something, you know, we keep it fresh for ourselves, and, and always with a record, just do something different than we did before. So, will there be another burlap record coming soon? Um, there's not one in the works right now, but uh, we are thinking about what the next project will be so something will come out
3: you like to keep your fans sitting on the edge of the seats don't you <laughs> <laughs> excellent well I very much look forward to hearing your next project as and when it might occur but in the meantime yeah, I take it you've still got lots coming up then with shows and gigs
8: yeah we have uh, we have one this Saturday we have uh, two uh, next month yeah there's gonna be I'm gonna pay some more attention to that now. Uh, and definitely book us some more gigs. Uh, we are also doing like a a different project also right now, which is like a folk covers kind of project. Because you know we have all this music that we that we love, you know James Taylor, Bob Dylan, Cat Stevens, all this music. And um, Johnny and Steven are really good at doing like you know Simon and Garfunkel music and stuff like that. And we love playing it. So um, we're actually doing a bunch of shows in September uh, like a whole run of shows just uh, as, as uh, folk cover songs with a little bit of burlap here and there. So that's one project that we're working on. Um, yeah, there'll be some, a bunch of shows coming up. Just watch the website, and you'll see whatever whatever comes up.
3: Excellent. So, if our listeners want to go out and find you and listen to you or uh, get in contact with you, where can where can they find you?
8: So, uh, as far as the music, you find on Spotify or on Apple Music. You know, it's, we're on all the, Amazon. We're on all the different music services. And to contact us, there's a contact form on the website that's the best way to get in touch
3: burlap to is that? yes well unfortunately as much as I hate to I think we're going to have to draw this to an end uh, I'd just like to thank you for joining me it's been an absolute pleasure oh
8: you're so very welcome thanks for for having me and, uh, and please stay in touch
3: absolutely I think you can count on it but in the meantime without further ado here is tonight by burlap to Kashmir. <laughs>
9: Just before my grave set off with bones and withered skin It's a grave to far, afar, far from sheltered wings So I see Yeah. Uh-huh. Green!
3: So that was Burlap to Cashmere with tonight. Um, Not really much to say. I'll just leave it there.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So at what point did you um, have to go and clean yourself up in the interview? That's all I want
3: to know. I don't (laughs) think it was as bad as what you're making out. I wasn't that enthusiastic about it all. (laughs) Whatever. It
4: It was quite to be honest you'll probably edit it so it sounds like you're just being professional as always no. but your voice was about seven octaves higher than normal there was yeah, though, lootly
3: <laughs> I was excited I'm not going to lie you've got to remember though this has been my favourite band for 20 years it's yeah. like you're it's alone. like Neil doing the same thing with you 2 oh, you know so I think it was quite a big deal for me so I enjoyed it um, I edited the interview of course and I left a bit out because I didn't want it in, but it's that embarrassing, <laughs> it'd be an injustice not to play it. So, oh. this bit I'm about to play... Is this you at the point of climax? Oh, mate, it's, <laughs> it's so embarrassing. Um, have I put it? Hopefully I've lost it. I haven't, have I? No. So, at this point, he decides to tell me that a couple of years ago we got married and moved uh, over to England. Yeah. He lived... In Kidderminster. Oh my god. Which is a couple of miles up the road, literally up the road. Seven miles from where we're we sitting right now. So, this was my reaction to him telling me <laughs> <laughs> he lived nearby. You're joking?
8: No, I lived in, I lived, well, just outside, I lived in Kidderminster.
3: No shit, sorry. <laughs> that's, that, that's just round the corner, I lived like a few miles away, I, that's unbelievable. I yeah, I lived oh Yeah,
8: I lived I lived uh, in Kidderminster. My I was married, uh, and my wife was from there. And her parents, uh, our parents, were uh, still living in Kidderminster, and um, we moved away with. We could have, we could have met for coffee him. and everything. Yeah, we, <laughs> we could have.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. It's the big Oh god, it's the big real goo. Oh we could have met up for a coffee and he goes Yep Yep we could yep <laughs> for fuck's sake Oh, oh god I've
4: got him just like up his window and Kid him go, and the window just waving <laughs>
3: oh, that's Hi what... Theo wanna come for a coffee Hello yeah, God you're so Listening to it back. <laughs> oh, it's, brilliant. it's brilliant that you
4: that you can be self-deprecating there.
3: Oh.
4: <laughs> How was it meeting your hero? I didn't meet him, I just spoke well, to him. you know, the same difference. Um He took time out of his day to come and speak to you.
3: Yeah, fair play to him.
4: To be on our lonely little podcast. But it, the uh, thing
3: was, at that point as well, when I, when I, start, I started getting all excited, you live so close! <laughs> yeah, I could almost hear him and he said, thinking... Is he really a podcaster or just a crazed fan This used this as an excuse to get on the line to me? Theo,
4: just in case you're listening, he's both.
3: Ted, <laughs> it's Theodore or Teddy.
4: Sorry, what did I say, Theo? Theo. Sorry, Theodore.
3: Oh, God.
4: See, I said Theo because I thought Teddy might be offensive. I, th- he,
3: I think he uh, s- signatured his email with Teddy. Ah, okay. Well, mm. Teddy,
4: if you're listening... Just so you're aware, it's both. He is a Christ fan, and he is a podcaster.
3: Yeah, it's mental. Yeah, it absolutely is. It's definitely let's, one. Let's it's definitely one song. ticked off the <laughs> podcast bucket list. Absolutely, the song, um, the song. Oh, just, I love the song. It's a good song. There was another song that uh, he wanted. Well, it's not that he wanted. He, he recommended. However, I don't think the listeners would be able to engage with it because it was quite complex, mm. especially from a time signature standpoint. Yeah, it was standpoint. interesting
4: listening to him talk about the, you know, the way that that band has progressed with the time signatures. You know, with the cousins coming from—is it? Oh, did they say Latino background? Is that what you said?
3: I thought I should- was it Greece? Greek? Greek, no them Greek. Greek, sorry, Greek, not so Greek,
4: Greek. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the Grecian background mm. and the off, to, you know, signature time and all that sort of stuff, and then then bringing it to the band and the band having to then interpret it into a musical, you know, being. I thought that was really interesting. I, you know, and it shows their quality as a band for them to be able to do that, because I'd probably just throw my guitar on the floor and fucked off home <laughs> to be honest. So,
3: <clears throat> yeah, I can imagine it must have got really frustrating. I mean, listening to some of the songs that they mm. do, and I've sat down. And I've just been trying to count along and trying to figure out what's going on, and if as as a drummer, if I've, I've I'm already listening to the drummer playing, so I can count along mm. with the drums. If you're there and you don't have a drum to count along with, and you're trying to figure out what, well, it must be so mm. frustrating. But um
4: I think the song is fantastic. He's it's, it's very he mentioned in the um the interview you, you gave with him about Simon and Garfunkel, and that sort of like whether I can this very yeah. Simon and Garfunkel influenced this and that is a really good thing because that sort of folk has been swept aside by the new folk you know and that's where it started from that's where you know folk became mainstream and to listen to this it, is it's such a lovely song you mm. know it's got some fantastic harmonies in it
3: i did <coughs> struggle with the interview a bit obviously you went blind now from from <laughs> 2000 and in the 2000s when they, they uh, stopped for a bit and then yeah. they got back together. They completely changed their sound. And I understand what he was saying. You know, they changed the sound because they wanted to move on. They didn't want to do what they did before. They wanted to be so, But I don't know, I struggle with that. Because I, it's like, why would you try and be someone you're not? If that's who you are, that's no, who you no. are.
4: I, 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 When he when he spoke about this in, in the interview, I totally got it. Yeah, I got it. It's, it's about growing as a person, let alone as a musician. You know, you're not the same person you are in 1996 as you are in 2006. You know, there's a whole ten year gap of experience there, and you might have mellowed, you might have got angrier, you might, you know, and your music will reflect that. You know, so having a ten year break, you know, if you could chart a band from 96 to 2006, they release an album every year, you can hit, you can hear the progression to that point. But if you've got a ten year gap, where there's nothing, you're going to hear one band in in 1996 and another band in 2006 Mm. because of the ten year gap.
3: Yeah, yeah, I guess.
4: But yeah, good interview. It was just
3: a tough pill to swallow because <laughs> that, that album was, for me, it's iconic. The original in 97, 98. But the, like I said, I love the Up to Cashmere album, the, the the last album. I love that now. But it took a little while longer to grow on me.
4: It does though, don't it? Some, some albums do. Yeah. you know, To to quote yourself, some of my favourite songs are not my favourite song the first time I listened to them. So,
3: no, it's true, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that was Burn Up to Cashmere.
4: And check song them out. tonight.
3: There's some tonight, check them out. Yeah, and you
4: spent now? Are you done? Spent now. <laughs> this, we're
3: moving on to our next section now.
4: Oh yes, it's the
3: wild card. It's the wild card round.
4: Right, so the wild card round is... Uh, we've put out on social media for people to send in a track, and we'll pick from the emails that we've had and just play. This time we have no idea. Last time we did this, we'd actually had a listen to it before, and we have no idea what's coming.
3: Yeah, we decided. Well, yeah, we just decided that if we eventually we're gonna choose a piece of music that's gonna be, as I said last time, dog shit, and if it is dog shit, we don't want the last thing that for you listeners to hear. <laughs> is dog shit, so we'd rather listen to the music first and then chat about it. So, yes. Okay, right. Which is
4: going to do the random number generator now. So, email
3: number 97. Wow, let's have a look, see who we've got for email 97. Where the fuck am I? Oh, yeah. So that'll be this one here. Okay, so, it's landed on ceo at C-O- C-O- ravens.com Hi, your SoundCloud site is still on low position. You know better if they're... somebody's trying to sell us uh, SoundCloud listens. <laughs> 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 not even a fucking music submission?
4: I mean take the opportunity to send us trash emails, by all means.
3: Jesus.
4: <laughs>
3: well, I'll go for the one below that one then. <laughs> Bastards. I see someone's got a competition. What I'll do is I'll send them a shit spammy email. Right, let's try so that. We've got 347
4: spammy emails. Let's try
3: that again. Okay. We've got Jared Alexis. He has sent me no bio, so unfortunately we're not going to use him. We've got David... G- Gutierrez? Gutierrez. Who? Gutierrez. Nice. Ooh, got a biography in it. Okay, we're good to go with this one. He sent his Spotify, his YouTube. Okay. So we have David Gutierrez. Gutierrez. Yeah. Band members, David on the guitar, Brittany on the drums, Joan on the bass, Marie on vocals. About. San Francisco Bay Area Rock Band. There's a lot of those. I get a lot of San Francisco bay area rock bands. I get, Has it
4: migrated down from Seattle do you think?
3: It's usually the Bon Jovi type rock and the 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 uh that Creed type sound as well. Anyway, this may not be that. This this may be completely different. Post-it post uh post grunge sound. Mm, like um Pearl Jam.
4: Yeah.
3: Anyway, 6-Speed Supernova, 6SS, is a four-piece San Francisco-based rock band whose sound is infused with blues, So
4: 6-Speed, what was it? 6-Speed what?
3: Four, what do you mean, 6-Speed Supernova? Oh,
4: that's the name of the band, then. 6-Speed Supernova. Yes,
3: that's what I said. 6-Speed Supernova is a four-piece San Francisco-based rock band whose sound is infused with rock... That's not what it says. Infused mm. with blues, funk, jazz, rock, EDM... And alternative influences, guitarist David Ballon hails from a 20-plus year career in the music scene, playing with numerous acts, including LA's gypsy rock group Madame Hooligan. David's sister, Marie Gutierrez, who has fronted both cover and original local NorCal bands over the last decade, sings lead for 6SS. Puerto Rico, raised Joan Torres is a bassist composer on the forefront of progressive jazz. Most notably, a number of Joan's original music with his all-infused project has recently been nominated in the 16th Annual Independent Music Awards. Drummer Brittany Patterson is currently obtaining her degree in jazz from San Francisco Cisco State University and has played with a number of local jazz and punk bands over the last few years. It is said that music in the soul can be heard by the universe. Six-speed supernova's galactic compositions will expand your mind, tug on your heart, and throw you tumbling into the cosmo.
4: I absolutely love that. Music in the soul can be heard by the universe.
3: The song that we're about to play is called... Boom! What are we expecting, Wayne? I what fu- are you expecting? I have a
4: fucking idea! Jazz and punk.
3: Jazz, punk, and the EDM. <laughs> <It's> cr- <laughs> wow!
4: Somebody hit blend. <laughs>
3: <laughs> right, so here we go. Oh, wow. over with their song boom thankfully it wasn't dog shit
4: <laughs> it's always a good it's always a good start when it's not dog shit
3: it was interesting some of those guitar riffs very interesting something i've some riffs going on there i've never heard in um, rock before but then that might be the jazz infusion mm. um there's some very dated uh, tropes tropes in there as yeah, well yeah um very Iron Maidenish.
4: oh god yeah absolutely yeah I was picking up um a song in particular by I think it's Whitesnake called Burn I don't know if you know that song <coughs> <coughs> no it's really good It's 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 got the same madcap guitar solos that, that seem to last for eternity
3: yeah I really yeah. enjoyed the bass jazz
4: yeah, the the slap that was great. It, was,
3: the, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't slap. Oh, it sounded like not slap uh, to me. It wasn't. I don't think it was slap. It was just uh, a bit of jazz infused in that rock there. But it's again, if you'd have just done a bit of jazz in a rock song, it wouldn't work. But somehow they have managed to fuse it really well. Like you said, they've hit blend and done mm. it quite well. Um, I half expected her to break into... It's cold outside, there's no kind of atmosphere, I'm all alone. <laughs> I liked it, it was good. Um, mm. I think these would have gone down a lot better probably 20 years ago. I mean, they're still
4: after watching the highlights of download festival um this week on sky arts there's still a massive audience for these guys. oh absolutely
3: i'm not saying that, yeah. that, that there's no <clears> there's no space for them i'm just saying they would have been bigger
4: yeah it's going to be year ago. it's going to be more difficult for them to stand out in a crowd
3: i don't think so i think with you the sound that they, they've got a def, they've definitely got a unique sound that I, i'm not hearing anyone else bring especially with those um i didn't hear the EDM
4: probably just not in that song
3: yeah i, I in fact i'm Interested to have a listen to their other works because, mm. uh,
4: a nice breakdown with, like you say, like the the ro- the, this kind of rock. Th- it's
3: for me, it, for me personally, it's it's quite dated and not very interesting. But they've done something that makes me think actually, I would like to listen to some of their other works and see what else I've done. Mm. So I think that you know, they, they've managed to make it, I would say, modern, they haven't made it contemporary, but they've made it interesting. Whereas that kind of rock has lost its interest and lost it and, and, and had its day, but they're still making it interesting. So, yeah, I'm going to go out and check out their work. I do like it.
4: Cool. Very good.
3: And you don't usually hear me say that about classic rock.
4: No. That's, that's, and that's, I think with this band as well, because yeah.
3: of the way they are, I think what you hear with one song isn't what you're going to hear with another song. So even though that's quite classic rock-based... I don't think that's going to be all of their works.
4: I think I think that's the, the nail on the head right there, classic rock, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's a good shape though.
3: Excellent. So, check them out. We'll we'll uh, leave the information in the notes, as with all the other bands. It has been emotional. It has. For it's, you, it has, yeah. It's been a rollercoaster. I've you up a couple of times. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I think we'll leave it there.
4: Yes, absolutely.
3: So yeah, check all out, out all the bands, go and listen to them on Spotify if you like them, purchase their works, and on our next episode, episode 13, we will have Gauls, so yes, that, that'll that be interesting, Re from Goals, looking forward to that. Absolutely. Mm. So yeah, thank you for listening. If indeed you need, still are. Goodbye.
4: Goodbye.